Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 4 of iWolves with your host, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. What are we talking about today, Kelly? Today we're talking about uh, the idea of saving a puppy by not creating another shelter dog. So instead of just saving shelter dogs by adopting them and training them and rescuing them, we're, we're going right to the source and saying, how about not creating that shelter dog in the first place? Very good idea. Close to your heart. Close to my heart. So this is very much tied into two of Ian's recent uh, blog posts. Give a puppy a first chance and first chance, take two. <laughs> give Ian a second, give a puppy a first chance, but give Ian a so, second so chance. If you haven't already, swing over to Dogstar Daily well, and check it out. I, I think because when I wrote the first blog, a, a, a lot of people didn't quite understand what I was saying when I was saying a puppy should be house trained at eight weeks. I didn't mean to say it was a done deal. What I meant was if somebody's buying a puppy at eight weeks, they should check that the house training process has been started. There you go. Yes. Don't be so absolute. Yeah. The, the, right. the, the dog is in a, a basically, a, the puppies are in a three-part area with a bedroom, a playroom, and a toilet. And they're using their toilet. You can tell that by looking. As opposed to a dog that's in a small enclosure, covered with torn up paper, and he's peeing and pooping everywhere and anywhere. That's what he will do when he goes home. And so the important thing there is that I think prospective puppy buyers need to now convince breeders that puppy buyers need to know that they can get a puppy where the breeder has been doing their best to house train it, doing their best to chew toy train it, and this puppy has met 100 people quite safely in, in, in its own first home, and, and so it's well on the way to becoming a companion dog rather than just livestock. The foundation building blocks are already in place, I guess, rather than you're starting with a good, a good foundation. Um, because what happens if a puppy does live in a soiled, soiled conditions in their first few weeks is they start to not, not, start to not care about living within a soiled house, right? Yeah, and then, the, for example, that puppy will be very difficult to house, to crate train. Because you put him in the crate and he thinks, oh great, I'm in my toilet. And he pees and poops there. So it really makes it very difficult for the new owners. But if the house training process and tutor training process has started, the breeder can now say, or the, the new owners can go on Dogstar Daily and say, oh, this is how we set him up during his first month in his new home. And, and this to me is where 17-year-old companion dogs are made. The first month they're in their new home. And we, you know, these are only little behavior problems and we tend to like poo-poo them but this is the number one terminal illness for for dogs if they aren't house trained or chew toy trained if they aren't taught not to become excessive recreational barkers the owner will surrender that dog more important though for the dog's mental health is that he's been socialized and by say been socialized it's not a done deal but the first eight weeks is really important they should have been handled as neonates, cuddled by strangers, and, and straight away breeders go, oh no, 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 this is unsafe, you can't socialize a puppy until he's five months old. You say it's not sanitary. Oh, you can. The, the only risk is basically people's shoes. Have they trodden in infected urine or infected uh, canine feces? 
So outdoor shoes remain outside. Well, I have to say, though, that breeders wear shoes and go out into the world and they come home. I mean, already mm -hmm. you've got that risk. But, um, okay, this, this has always bothered me about that idea that it's not safe. For the most part, if a, if a puppy is still living with the breeder at the breeder's home, it's still with its mother and it still has immunity, you know, from mother's milk. Mm -hmm. I mean, under eight weeks of age, if they're still nursing, they are more protected than they will be and in un that Under window, six right? weeks of age, yeah. Oh, okay. You, you oh, have a, a very sensitive time between six weeks and ten weeks when the maternal immunity has dropped off. Even if they're still nursing? Um, or most mothers stop them by then? No, the, the maternal immunity will wane even if they're nursing, oh, okay. the, the, the antibodies are there in the early milk, the first, you know, uh, three or four days postpartum, and then the maternal antibodies wane. Well, the, the problem is, you see, you, you can't give a vaccination while the maternal antibodies yeah, are so there. Yeah, there's that window. Because, yeah. yeah, so you've got this very sensitive time window, and I would say, cool, keep your puppy at home, but bring people to the puppy, and, and have them take off their outdoor shoes, leave them outside, and if you want to be really sort of fastidious, people wash their hands in case they've touched urine and feces, and they can wear little smocks. But I would say, no, realistically, if we look at something like parvovirus, a puppy can never be safe. In, say in California, an infected dog poops, it dries in the sun, someone treads on it, it turns to dust, it can come into an open window. And your puppy can catch fire at parvovirus and he's never left the home. So lots and lots of early socialization done safely. And the earlier you do it, the better. We, we talk about the critical period of socialization, and, and I must admit, I overuse that expression kind of to frighten people into socializing early, be calling it the critical period of socialization. The window never closes. It's just that it's a hundred times easier to do at three weeks or four weeks of age than it is at five months. Well, the window gets smaller and smaller. The sure. effect of socialization yeah. gets less and less, yeah. And so if breeders were having puppy parties and they were inviting eight people round, oh, four nights a week, um, these puppies are going to be rock solid, you know, and especially the breeds that we know don't get on well with strangers, you know, all the shepherd breeds, all the Asian breeds. They're, they're wonderful with their families. I mean, let, let's put it a different way. They, they are the most faithful of dogs with the family, but they don't like strangers. So these are the dogs that we want to have handled by strangers, and the handling shouldn't wait till they're even four weeks old. I mean, handle the neonate. They, they, they can't hear too well or see too well, but they can smell, they know you're a stranger, and they can feel. And, and we could really produce dogs at eight weeks which are incredible so now you are really buying a puppy that's well on the way to becoming a companion animal i mean i think in america you know we get most of the dogs from breeders in other countries like in asia where probably 80 90 percent of dogs come from pet stores um, they put the program into practice there we were over there and I gave a talk on the open paw program minimal mental health guidelines for developing puppies and a, a, a fellow left my lecture, and we were introduced to him later, remember? And he came up and said, oh, you know, Dr. Dunbar, uh, Mrs. Dunbar, you know, we do your program, your open paw program, in our pet store. We say, what? This is the first time we've ever talked about it in Japan. 
how long have you been doing the programme? And he looked at his watch and said, oh, an hour and a half. <laughs> I called the head office and, and we went down and looked at this programme. It was unbelievable. They had puppets now on an hourly schedule and, and they would get them out of their cages and have them go pee and poop and give them three liver treats, not two, not four, but three. And then they would play, play and train them. And, <laughs> and I remember when I was there, it was so funny, Kelly was cracking up because there's uh, the girl who worked in the pet store was explaining to me how to lure reward train the little puppy, remember? And she couldn't speak English. She said, ah, oh, so take for her hold here and, and lift As the food up. As she should be to anyone visiting. Yes, and she's showing me uh, because of the language barrier, you know, I don't understand the words she's saying, but I'm learning from what she's doing. Then we train the puppy, and then she puts it away, sets the clock again, and he's in there for another hour. So they were basically, and why did they do this? Because I said, look, you sell your kids from pet shops for $3,000 a pop, and yet he's not house-trained or chew-toy-trained, he's, he's livestock. What if you're selling a house-trained Yorkie and a chew-toy-trained Yorkie that's socialized? You can sell it for twice as much. Well, and that was the way to get buy-in from a corporate person. Oh, absolutely. You know, obviously, it's absolutely. not the only reason to do it, and certainly, you know. But but the idea was, you know, how do we get a business, uh, you know, a large business, to understand the importance of this and at least do right by these puppies that they're taking. But I think that the same applies to breeders. I would like to see a breeder advertise, "I am selling house-trained Yorkies." By that, I, I don't mean it's a done deal that these Yorkers have been house-trained since they could walk. They have been chew-toy-trained since they could play. Programs which you will they have continue as their new owners. Yes. Because and I, as a breeder who care about the well-being of my dogs, will make sure that you understand what you need to do to keep the program going. Absolutely. And then other breeders would wise up because if someone's saying, I'm selling Yorkers that I've tried my best to house-train, now the general public will say, no, no, I'd like one that's been house-trained, please. I, right. I don't want the unhouse-trained one. Which is also unsocialized and has chewing problems. Absolutely. Aggression. Because if yeah. they've never left the breeder's home or the little um, whelping area and only had a few visitors and have no separate toilet, you know, yeah, they really are at a disadvantage when they get home. And now you have a novice owner with a puppy that's already kind of, you know, already has habits that are not the habits we want them to continue. And that's just kind of setting people up for failure with their animals. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think, I think what's so sad is that so many prospective owners don't know what to look for. And that we've been saying this for quite some time on Dog Star Daily, you know, how to find a good breeder, how to find a good puppy at that breeder. But it seems like kind of the larger mainstream culture hasn't really focused on what to look for when you're getting a puppy. And not that we don't have enough projects lined up that were, you know... <laughs> looking to undertake, but something that would be really wonderful is to... on your agenda, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. there's, another, there's another video that we're planning on making in the you know, not-too-distant future, but it would be really wonderful to uh, create a video that showed people what the perfect breeder looked like, or you know, what a really good breeder looked like. And if we could find a breeder that wanted to you know, put these practices... Well, some uh, do. Oh, they, they, they exist. Oh, absolutely. And make a video yes. and show it to people, then I think it would do a, go a long yeah, way to educating the public yeah. in terms of what they should be expecting. So, and some breeders really are confused by it, too. We had a few recently when we talked about this on Dog Star Daily on comment and say, how can I possibly do this? I have 10 puppies. I don't have time to take them all out individually and train them. I don't have time to do it this way. I can't have people in the house. You know, there's always excuses, but... First of all, I think they, they don't understand exactly how to make it work. So we, if we could show that it doesn't have to be 10 hours out of your day because you have 10 puppies, great. Mm -hmm. But also, 
if you really don't have time to do it right, then you really shouldn't be doing it. That's how, I mean, I, I, I feel pretty strongly about that. You can't say, well, I want to breed puppies, but I don't have time to, to crate train them before they go home. Right, I mean, breeding puppies is bringing a life form into the world. It's like, I want to have 10 them. kids, but I don't have any time to yeah. raise them. And so. then the point yeah. is about the, you know, the, the methods that we explain on Dog Star Daily, it actually makes your life easier that a lot of these are what we call passive auto-shaping processes. And by that I mean is all you have to do is to set up an appropriate living area and as the puppy grows up, he will all but house train himself. At least he'll train himself to use a toilet and he'll train himself to chew a chew toy because the only fun thing to chew are chew toys which are stuffed with food. That's how you eat. Right. And so it doesn't course, take really that much more no, time. it doesn't take it doesn't any, take any more time. time. And it has significant benefits that um, if the puppies are eating out of their hollow chew toys, you can now apportion the correct amount of food to the puppies instead of one big fat puppy getting it all, you know, eating out of one food bowl. Um, so it actually makes the breeder's life much easier. And, and, and this is, but, but you're right, we have to explain how to do it. The, I guess I focus on explaining what to do because it's so obvious to me how I would implement the program but we have to explain to breeders how to implement this program and, and how it is actually time-saving. I think more than that, we have to show, show people in terms of video, I think, is really how like a generation is coming up to learn things. You know, I, um, I have a younger brother, and if he doesn't know how to do something, the first place he goes is YouTube to find a tutorial. <laughs> yeah, you know, excellent. Like, yeah. Kids don't even Google anymore. They just YouTube the tutorial. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, but so I think maybe we should open up to the possibility of uh, as part of America's dog trainer, perhaps, if a breeder wanted to submit a video where they demonstrate um, putting our puppyhood practices into effect, uh, raising puppies, that, that that would be a wonderful video that could be really beneficial. That's people. cool, yeah, because we do have isolated videos of Basenji breeder Brad um, did great stuff teaching a three and a half month old Basenji litter to come mm -hmm. and sit and handle it. I mean, it was, it was too cute and precious. I mean, that's the thing, is this kind of video is going to be adorable as well as incredible. Absolutely. Educational. Yeah. I think the most important thing, though, is we have to dispel the notion that the general public has when they get a puppy, they think one of two things. If I get a purebred, he'll be perfect. Or, they say, if I get a mixed breed, he'll be perfect. <laughs> now, because it defies logic how they can say both those things. But the notion is that purebred has been... Uh, bred for generations to be a, a quick, obedient. Tra obedient, trained dog. Um, and the notion about the mixed breed is they're healthier because they are a mixed breed. What the general public has to realize is whether you get purebred or mixed breed, irrelevant of breed or breeding, the dog can be a well-trained, well-socialized puppy or it can be a lemon. And it can be a dog that's unsocialized and untrained. And with this puppy, you're behind before you start. And that's the most important thing to know, that the, the, the prospective puppy owners should now search for a puppy whose educational curriculum has been started, at least. And the same goes for puppies in, in shelter environments. I mean, it's a, a terrible tragedy if a litter of puppies ends up in a shelter environment during their you know, most... Um, Impressionable, impressionable period. period, but um, you know it happens. It happens all the time for people who really don't want to support the idea of, of breeders. Um, I, I personally don't go that far. I think anyone who's raising 
healthy, happy, well-adjusted dogs should be supported however they are doing it. Um, but, but shelters, if they get puppies, they should hopefully put them in foster homes that are implementing these programs. If they can't, they should have separate puppy rooms that are, you know, specially designed for this purpose. It doesn't take that much. You can do it on a shoestring budget just the way you can do it in a home. And um, so regardless of where you want to get your puppy, whether it's a, you know, a pet store or hopefully not, but whether it's a pet store or a reputable breeder or a backyard breeder or a shelter, the, the same program can be implemented. And I bring this up because people think, oh, I don't want to get a puppy, I want to get a shelter dog to help a dog. But all those shelter dogs came from somewhere. They were puppies originally. They were puppies. They were puppies and that didn't get their education. You know, and, yeah. and so and I do think, you know, we do have to unfortunately look at it from a market standpoint, just like we did with the pet store people in Japan, and say, uh, supply and demand. If people, including shelter patrons, demand that these puppies are given the best first chance, you know, they won't, they won't need a second chance. Yeah, and, and I think you, you have shown this um, with Open Paw, that the same problem arises with, with um, shelters that on the one hand we tell them what needs to be done and they say, oh we can't possibly do it, we don't have the time, we don't have the money, but you have shown them it can be done, the power of the volunteer base. We have a whole episode in Open Paw coming up. Oh that's cool, then I won't, um, well, coming up. In a future Iowa's episode, <laughs> the Open Poor program. Yeah. <laughs> cliffhangers, I hate them. But I think that is important. You showed how you, the program can be implemented easily and that then the shelter becomes a vibrant learning centre, teaching people in the community how to raise um, puppies and dogs. So Yeah, so where are all these puppies coming from? All these shelter dogs coming from? Who raised them? Well, some of them, I think, came from reputable breeders, and then the owners didn't know what to do. Some of them had breeders that were. I guess there aren't really statistics. I mean, are there? Is there a census for dogs? Not really. No. It's not like a population that says, you know, how many dogs came from small breeders, how many came from no, large breeders. No, there is, but, I mean, but we can say all of these shelter dogs were once came puppies. from puppies. They were right? once puppies. They were once puppies, and if they Who had were, received a proper education as a puppy and a socialization, I think the owners would have been much keener on keeping the adolescent dog in their household. That, you know, when we look at the, it's like the open poor um, surrender um, questionnaire, the flow diagram, when people surrender dogs, the reason they give is usually a people reason, like placing blame, landlord objects, I'm moving. So we, we came up with a flow diagram. So if they say landlord objects, you ask the question, why is the landlord objecting? I mean, is he some kind of fascist that hates dogs? No, he's objecting because the urine is dripping through to the apartment below. Or the dog the dog, the dog barks all the time, stuff. everyone else has moved out, and the dog has eaten the apartment he was in. You know, they're moving. So you ask the question, you married? Yes. Do you have kids? Yes. Are you taking your husband and kids with you? Yes. Then why are you leaving the dog? You see, you, the surrender, it has to come down to a dog reason. And the reason is I'm surrendering this dog because he wheezes in the house, he barks all the time, he chews, he's scared of everybody, we can't have guests around, and if we do, the dog bites them. We can't walk him on leash because he pulls and jumps up. It's all basic, very, very predictable and easily preventable doggy problems. Well, for the most part, obviously some dogs end up in shelters because you know life just gave them a bad, a bad yeah. run of luck. But um, a lot of them are, most shelter animals are um, either urban urban kind of tough breeds um, or 
just adolescent dogs that don't have manners. And I think the sadness here, I mean, even with the pit problem, which has to be, it has to be talked about on its own, that, you know, the, the urban pit bull um, shelters are overcrowded with them. Um, you know, they could still be good dogs too, quite well, easily. Well, they often it's are. That's not, the, that's not the point. You don't, most communities don't have homes for yeah, 100 pit bulls a week. The, the sadness here, though, yeah. is, I mean, we again, we, you know, we have a website about dogs, but I always come back to the family. And it's, it, it goes like this, you know, a, a, a little girl says, Dad, can we get a puppy? That's where it starts. The family is so keen. They're so keen. They want to have this puppy. They want it to work out. And then right when they select the puppy, they're behind before they start. They didn't know you could get one where people have been house training it from the beginning and chew toy training and teaching him not to bark all the time, teaching him to come sit, lie down, roll over. You already and have been exposed to children. Socializing him, yeah. exposed to children. Yeah. And then just yesterday I was on a case and it's the, a, a grandfather who's got this cutest little um, cockapoo that's snapping at his granddaughter. And it's, for me, it's a non-problem. Let's solve this really quickly. But it shouldn't have been a problem. Is the cockapoo a puppy still? No, the cockapoo is eight months old. Oh dear. Um, but he wasn't hurting the child, but he would be uh, along the way. And he's uncomfortable as well. I mean, it's no fun if a dog's snapping. They're obviously not comfortable with the situation, which is mm -hmm. sad too. And as I explained to him, now the little girl, she's only four, she now thinks she's a dog trainer. But I said, you, you've still got to impress on her how serious this is and how we can't chase the puppy around, we can't grab him, we can't frighten him. Because if the puppy does object, he's going to get into trouble and then the little girl's self-esteem is going down the toilet. She will know she failed with this puppy. And at four years old, I mean, she'll carry that for a, a good long time. So I think it's so important that these families do work out with their dogs. It's meant to be a happy time when you get a dog and um, you're meant to be able to walk that dog when he's 14 or 15 years old and the slow walks around the block, you know, when, when all the memories come back that you had with the dog. He shouldn't be leaving the house when he's eight months old. You're getting teary. I am. You're getting teary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, right, the fundamental thing, the basis of it is that... I guess this is just audio. <laughs> if you get a dog, you're going to have to spend time with it. Or, you know, like you were saying about the purebred versus the mixed breed, they think that whichever one they get, it's going to be perfect. And the fact is that no dog, no matter how well it started, is going to be perfect, and then you're going to have to spend time training with it. And that's kind of why you should get a dog to spend time with it. You shouldn't get a dog to look at, you know, to keep on a mantle. Uh, dogs are for spending time with, and, and training is just another word for playing. And, for living you know, with, right. Yeah. It's, it's not a drag, it's not a chore. Training is you're living with the dog, and whatever he's doing, if he's breaking wind when he's on the couch. You need to train him to leave the room before he breaks wind. This sort of stuff is, to me, is, is, is what is fun. And even some of the dog's problems, um, that's part of the dog's personality. And, and, and the teaching, the education, um, it's why I really do like Dogstar. We're trying to let people know training is fun. Training is it. Training is the quintessence of, of living with an animal. You, you know, we're trying to show him our way. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, this is, it's, it's like this the first day of my lecture again. Every puppy deserves a first chance and they deserve to be given an education. And I think um, 
the dangers of denying a puppy an education are just enormous. And they're enormous for the puppy and they're enormous for the quality of life of the family as well. You know, oh my goodness, what is that? And I think you're running out of time. Well, I don't know, I know you're, you're doing your, you're doing, I can see that you're doing your tone change, that means you're, you're winding down. I timed it pretty well, didn't you I? You did, you know, but actually, minutes, I wanted, this, but now that I actually... To wind so back up again. Wind back so up. more I want to say, I just realized that, um, you know, I was just thinking about how we could possibly make the, um, because people love to rescue animals. People love to support uh, shelters and rescue organizations and the whole idea right now it's very popular to you know adopt a rescue dog, you know, save a shelter dog, let's you know be the change. And um, of course I want shelter dogs to have homes and I want them, you know, people to realize that there's plenty of good uh, dogs in shelters. But if we could only get this message of saving a puppy before they become a shelter dog, to be as sexy and as compelling as saving the saving a shelter dog, because it isn't. This is, I, I, you know, we're going back full circle to the beginning. It isn't. And I, I asked people um, in the training community and in the dog, you know, uh, enthusiast community, what they thought about that and why that was. And um, before I get to their some of their responses, Jamie, Ian, do you have any ideas or uh, on what that might, why that might be, and why it's so difficult? It's, yeah, I think you see a dog in a shelter and your heart just goes out to him. And, and it's the power of the N of one. You see one dog behind bars and, and you but feel the, so sad for him. Well, I, mean, I think that, you're, that. It's, it's very different to try and say that you're saving a puppy because that's an abstract thing that currently the puppy's doing quite all right. You know, it's being fed and people want to take care of it because it's cute and adorable. And so it's like because it's cute, it's, it's fun to take care of. Um, whereas you see a shelter dog with problems, and the problems make it such that it's a you know, sacrifice of sorts, and therefore it's something that you're kind of doing as charity or something that you're donating to society. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing we have in our favor is that um, socializing, handling, and training four-week-old, five-week-old puppies is just the cutest thing that is, and that's what we need to show on Dogstar. This stuff is fun. And uh, you know, and make sure your puppy's education is well underway when you buy them at eight weeks. Yeah, as a minimum. I mean, but I think that's part of what makes it less sexy. I think that um, it caters to different parts of the human personality. Where it's you're saving a shelter dog, you're saving something. Um, raising a puppy, that's fun. You know, that's kind of just how things are supposed to be. And so it's like both are very good things. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, there's a part of people's soul that kind of wants to reach out and save something. And you don't, that's not as obvious with a puppy. Yeah. Even though ultimately you're saving every puppy, that by spreading the word that, you know, there is such a thing as early puppy education. Right. It could be done. And anyway, just, just a, a question I've had. And maybe people out listening can ponder that. and comment on Dogstar Daily as well. I don't know. It, it just bothers me. I'd like to find a way to make it as compelling. And you're right. Training puppies is adorable. We need a tagline. You know, no puppy left behind. Or, <laughs> no. I, I no. know you would probably hate that That's one. But, um, but we do need a, a, a tagline. Yeah. Alright, people. That's your assignment. Come up with a tagline. Post it back for us. Give we'll, fi puppy we'll find a, a good one. Chance. Yes. Alright, well everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Time to say goodbye. 
Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye.